Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Blue Wire. With the first pick in the 2009 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Matthew Stafford. Hello and welcome to episode 87 of the Michael Rothstein Show. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This episode is brought to you by Deal Dash and by Bet Online. Go check both of those places out. So we've got a guest today and we'll get to him in a couple of minutes. He's been very outspoken on social media lately about players opting out and what he believes that players should do and how he believes that players should be protected. He is a former Detroit Lions defensive tackle. He is Akeem Spence. He will be on the show in just a few minutes and we get a lot into opting out. We get into his situation and whether he would come back and play this year because he's currently a free agent, why he's made some decisions he's made. We also talk a lot about the 2017 season with the Lions. We talk about other aspects of his career and we have pretty good hour-long chat that I think that you'll enjoy. A couple of things to hit on before we get to the Akeem Spence interview. First, the Lions had one player come back and another player opt out on Wednesday. Kenny Galladay is back. That's a good sign for the Lions. He was on the COVID reserve list for about a week, and he is now the fourth Lions player to come off of the COVID reserve list. They haven't had anyone go on the list since Saturday, which means that since They've had players in the building. There have been no positive tests. That is a very good sign for Detroit. But Kenny Galladay now off of that list. He can come back now and start working out with the team. However, Detroit did lose their third player to opting out. That is center Russell Bodine. Bodine's an interesting situation because... To me, he had a real shot of making the team, especially as a veteran. He had five years of starting experience, four years as a starting center in Cincinnati, one year where he started 10 games in Buffalo. He was out of the NFL last year after being cut by the Patriots, but the Lions signed him to a futures deal back right after the season ended. And to me, he was someone that likely wasn't going to win a starting job. He obviously wasn't going to beat out Frank Ragnow, but because there is a wide-open hole at right guard, it's possible he could have ended up in the mix there, along with the two rookies, Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg, and the two vets, Ode Abouche and Kenny Wiggins, and obviously also they signed Joshua Garnett, who's a former first-round pick. It's, it's a very crowded, loaded area, so it would have been tough for Bodine to maybe make the team, but it also could have been completely feasible that he won either the backup center, backup interior lineman role, or maybe even if he had played well enough, a starting guard role. So 
He is now out for the year for the Lions. Again, joining John Atkins and Geronimo Allison. His contract will kick in now next year. So he'll be in the mix in 2021 if the Lions choose to keep him around. Those were the two big things from the world of the Lions today. Uh, One other thing I will mention before we get into the podcast Bill Barnwell, my colleague over at ESPN, he went through the potential Hall of Fame chances for players on all 32 teams, and two Lions made that list, both with a lot, a lot, a lot of work to do in a 10 to 30% range, and that was Matthew Stafford. That makes sense. Matthew Stafford statistically very well could be a Hall of Famer, but he probably needs a few more Pro Bowls. Maybe a couple of playoff wins, a couple of division titles to really get in that conversation. I think to me, if that happens, Stafford might put himself in a much better position. If he plays like he did last year over the next few years and the Lions win, then yes, I think Matthew Stafford will maybe vault himself into that conversation by the time he reaches the end of his career. But as it stands right now, it's a lot of stats for Matthew Stafford that could help get him into the Hall of Fame, but not a lot of winning and not a lot of team success, which frankly, when it comes to Hall of Fame, that does help matters. The other guy, Jeff Okuda. And that surprised me because Jeff Okuda hasn't played an NFL snap yet. No one really knows what he can do. But if you're going to put a guy from this draft class on there, he would be one of them because he was taken at number three overall. And frankly, guys who are taken in the top five as cornerbacks generally have at least Hall of Very Good careers. So that's putting a lot of pressure on Jeffrey Okuda. But based off of where he was drafted and the position he plays, I can understand why Bill Barnwell will put him there, although that probably is more in like the 10% variety. One player I was actually surprised that wasn't on there from the Lions, as in current Lions, was actually kicker Matt Prater. Yes, I know how difficult it is for kickers to make the Hall of Fame. Very, very well aware of that. But Matt Prater does hold the record for the longest field goal in NFL history. He has been consistently one of the best kickers in the NFL. He has had a few Pro Bowls now. And to me, I think if he keeps kicking, he's 36 years old, say he keeps kicking another five, six years or so, he could end up in the top five or top 10 in a lot of different areas for in NFL history. So I look at that and I say, well, you know, I think he's got a shot. He's made the Pro Bowl twice. He was a PFF All-Pro in 2017, second team All-Pro by the AP in 2013. So he's been in that conversation. And who knows, by the time he's eligible for the Hall of Fame, maybe people look at it a little bit differently because you'll have Adam Vinatieri, who's going to be likely up for the Hall of Fame. And one would think he could end up as a Hall of Famer and maybe even a guy like Steven Goskowski. So there could be more kickers coming up. But of course, he's not even the best kicker in Lions history because that goes to Jason Hansen. But again, in that 10 to 30% range, maybe I would have put Matt Prater. And Dominican Sue was also on that list with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but he did not have him as anywhere near a lock. And in part because of Everything that's happened since Detroit, while he was in Detroit, he was one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, and Sue still played well, but maybe not at a Hall of Fame level. I highly encourage you checking out that story. It's on ESPN.com, and I think it's worth it, but we'll be back in just a minute with former Detroit Lions, Jacksonville Jaguars, Philadelphia Eagles, Miami Dolphins, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
defensive lineman Akeem Spence. Have you ever heard of DealDash.com? It's the best, most honest bidding site where you can win things you'd never expect at a price you'd never believe. They have over 1,000 auctions every day on electronics, appliances, beauty products, home decor, and even cars. Here's how it works. It's like an auction, but every item starts at $0 and only goes up one cent every time you bid. The kicker is that auction clock starts after just 10 seconds. That means every time you bid, everyone else has 10 seconds to answer or the item, it's yours. If you go ahead and buy now, DealDash is offering our listeners extra 100 free bids upon sign-up on top of their other discounts. Go to DealDash.com and use the offer code ROTHSHOW, that's R-O-T-H-S-H-O-W, or DealDash.FM backslash ROTHSHOW, that's D-E-A-L-D-A-S-H dot F-M backslash ROTHSHOW. And hey, are you excited about sports coming back? Are you excited as I am? Well, guess what? Your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events are back as well. Major League Baseball has kicked off a couple weeks ago. The NBA is back. The NHL is back. And there's no better place to do this than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. You check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. On the entertainment side, Floyd Money Mayweather joins the Bet Online team to bring you a brand new segment, The Ice is Right. Floyd talks all about his jewelry and gives you the chance to bet on the cost of his bling to win some great, great prizes and also don't forget about this with the return of sports bet online sat down with former pros eddie george harold reynolds and seven-time nba champ robert ori see what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling fandemic visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news remember to use promo code blue wire to receive your new welcome bonus that's a promo code blue wire bet online your online wagering experts now back to our show My next guest on the Michael Rothstein show played with the Lions for one season in 2017, but you likely remember him. He's been all over the league. He was with Tampa Bay, he's with Miami, he's with Phillies, with Jacksonville. It looks like he's in Florida right now. I mean, he's already hit all the teams in that state. He played college football at Illinois. He is Akeem Spence. Akeem, welcome to the show. Mike, man, thanks for having me, man. You know, you were great to me up in Detroit, one of my favorite reporters, man. Love, love speaking with you every opportunity after every game. Win, lose, or draw, you know, it was always positive. And, man, thanks for having me. Hey, and considering the 2017 season, I'm, I'm grateful that you uh, are willing to talk and to chat considering how a little bit, that's, how a little bit of that season went. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That, honestly, I'm not even going to lie. That's probably one of my favorite seasons of playing football, you know, just having Jim Caldwell as a, as a head coach, man. He made it easy. And just like the guys we had in the locker room, like the Darius Lays, the Glover Quinn, you know what I'm saying, like uh, the A-Shons, the Ziggy, and, you know, uh, they, they made it easy and fun, man. That was a fun group of guys to play with, man. And I was just kind of, you know, disappointed. You know, we didn't make the playoffs like we had set out to, man. And, you know, everything just kind of got dismantled and guys just kind of went all, all over the place. And, you know, they, I felt like they broke up a good thing kind of too soon. Really? Like yeah, that, I mean, I know that that, that that was a sentiment for a while. Like, it was kind of split of half of people thought Caldwell should go because, you know, that maybe that he had hit a plateau and that other people obviously thought he should stick around. Yeah, man. I, I You know, and I was, I was with the people that, you know, probably thought he should have stuck around because, you know, granted, you know, what, what he stood for in the city, I think was good. 
and also for like the team and the guys and just like the mental for the players, man. Cause uh, granted I didn't play for uh, Maddie P. I didn't get the opportunity, but you know, I, you know, the Patriot motto as they like to put in, you know, that's the, the, the dominant motto around the league. That's what, you know, every team is trying to mimic, but I, you know, honestly, I wasn't a fan of it. You know, it, uh, it kind of controlled guys in the wrong way and not making the game and not making the building fun anymore. And I, I, you've seen the dismantle in the team, you know, you've seen your best play, some of your best players retire, you know, they traded away the best corner that, you know, for the last eight, nine years, the city had, man. And, you know, one of your best pass rushers walked out the building and it's like, you know, one of your dominant big men inside on defense. And it's just like, you know, you you bring a guy in, you expect better. I, I mean, that's what I would think as the city, you know, you expect better. You come from a winning mantra, but to, to not to not have that is, is disappointing. But I will say this, though, you know, last year, the, the Detroit Lions, they were in a lot of close football games. And so I will I will give them that credit, you know, so I will not take that away from them. You played against them last year. Yes, briefly. I did. <laughs> yes, I, yes, I did. Three, did you get the Did you get the sense in week three last year that you did you think they were better than what maybe they showed? I mean, they won that game, obviously, but what ended up happening even pre Stafford because pre pre Stafford injury they were still three four and one. Yeah, man. I think you know it's just. I think that ne- that team never reached its full potential. And I think that has to, you know, that's, that's always coming from upstairs. The players can only control what they can control. And, you know, if you want a winning organization, you have to like, you have to bleed that, you know, from, from top down. And, you know, they, they have the players. I mean, they beat us when they came to Philly, you know, Matt fucking elite, man. Like one of the best arm talents, this, you know what I'm saying? In this decade, like, I'm not going to take that from, you know, Marvin Jones, the Ken- like Kenny, evolved as one of the best receivers in the game over the last two three years hands down man and it's like you know I think Detroit they never got a running game man (laughs) never got a running game I mean Stafford has to sling that thing all over the field and I mean as a court I mean obviously you want to put the game in your quarterback's hands but at the same time you got to get them help as well and I I think you know that's what one of the problems that that team faces man and you know they put it on nines back a lot you know you, it's interesting you mentioned it. Did you feel like Stafford – where did you think Stafford was playing that level? Obviously, when you played him against Philly, but then last season before he got hurt. Do you think that – because you'd seen him in 17, you'd faced him before that when you were in Tampa. Like, where was he, you think, then versus maybe prior years? I think I, think I like uh, 17 Stafford, man. He was, he was surgical. He was, he was, you know, with uh, – GT out there, man, uh, Marvin, all those guys, man. He was re- really surgical, you know, but obviously going through a coaching change, you know, learning new offensive coordinators, learning new expectations, you know, I, I felt like they kind of put some restraints on them. You know, I'm just speaking as a player just from the outside looking in and, you know, you just – you seen what Matt did in, in 17 and years prior. I mean, he, he lit the league on fire, you know, so it's just – to, to see that and see him kind of, I would say, digress a little bit, you know, and he was dealing with injuries this past year. So it's just like, you know, but, yeah, it, I liked him in 17 in, in those years past, man. He, he was on fire. Like, nine, nine couldn't miss. 
<laughs> no, I mean, really, before he got hurt last year, he was at that same level. He was, he was, that was some of, I think, the best football I had seen him play was last year, I thought. Yeah, man. So. <laughs> what, f- I, and well, I kind of curious here because I start this podcast usually the same way, uh, a little bit of a diversion here, but what, what has COVID and what has quarantine been like? for you since March? Because, you know, you're obviously home right now. You're not on a team. Like, what, what's this been like? Um, nah, man, COVID, it's actually been great, man, because, you know, uh, usually us as players, we're always on the go, and we're always, you know, just so busy, you know. Um, like, we didn't have no OTAs this year. I mean, that was a blessing for guys, you know, giving guys' bodies time, time to rest, you know something that they never really had before and um, giving guys time to think and just, you know, learning other, other things that they can do in life and, you know, becoming creative in life, in the life aspect as well. So I think COVID was really good, but at the same time, now it puts us in a very precarious position because, you know, we don't know all the, the health concerns, all the protocols, you know, that we have to take. And it's a little bit different from NBA because you have a smaller number of guys that you can, you know, you can contain in a bubble. Football, you have 90 guys, you know, plus staff or whatever. And it's, you know, it's like a double-edged sword. Yet, granted, you want guys to play, but at the same time, you want them to be safe. And it's, it's putting the proper structure in and, you know, just making sure guys feel comfortable when, too when they walk in the building and also their families feeling comfortable when they walk in the building because, I mean, they have to go back home to their loved ones at the end of the day, you know, they're, you know, this is their job, you know, this isn't their life. And um, yeah, man, I think just with the NFL and the NFL PA, I feel like that structure has to be in place. And I just, I just, you know, speaking personally, just this, this just personal belief. I just didn't like how rushed everything was to, you know what I'm saying? Get guys into camp and everything like that. And just, and just, you know, like even um, the testing, you know, it's it's not all the way accurate. You know, I, I know Kelly went off uh, what I believe was yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and just, you know, just with the testing, it's like you, you can't have that because God forbid, you know, it's, it's Sunday and, you know, you got to play. And then, you know, your quarterback comes up positive and he's not there. You know, and now you, you got to, you know. Now you got to go to your backup, and he might have, you know, been counting on Matt to be there all week, and now it's like, shit, I got to play. <laughs> you know, and it's like, th- those are the things that you want to run from as a player, but also you just want to be super safe, and I just don't feel like the NFL is, you know, taking all the, like, the steps like the NBA. Like, the NBA, they were real thorough with it, man, and, you know, they had every intricate detail ironed out. And I, I feel like, you know, when you're in a professional you know, realm as the NFL is, it's one of the top earning industries in our country. Like, we have to have a, a a protocol and a structure in place to where guys feel safe no matter what. And, you know, you have answers for their families no matter what. It can't just be, you know, just you, you give out a broad general statement and, you know, that be it. You, you've been very vocal over the last week or so about players considering to opt out or that they should opt out. You're not on a team right now. Was there an option for you to play this year? And um, secondly, on top of that, 
and maybe I already know the answer to this, would you have played this year or would you still play this year if a team called? Yeah, man, had opportunities. You know, it was actually uh, a week prior. I was supposed to, you know, run off to Buffalo and uh, sign with the Bills. But, you know, it's like it's, it's still training camp, man. It's, it's still early. And I, I feel like, you know, just being eight years in the league, not trying to, you know, put myself on a hierarchy or anything. It's just like, you know, I played the game long enough to know what type of shape to be in when it comes time for the season. And right now, you know, teams don't have the proper structure in place. And it's like, I don't feel safe. My family doesn't feel safe. And I would, I, I would feel like an awful dad and an awful just, you know, significant other if I just ran off in a time like this just to, you know, go into a camp just to be working out, you know, and don't even know if there's going to be a season or not, you know, just to give my time to, you know, an organization that, you know, may or may not keep me because, you know, I don't, I don't know if there was any guarantees, you know, so that plays, that plays a huge factor as well. And, you know, and then another opportunity in San Fran to uh, go link, link up with Coach Chris, which I love Coach Chris to death, but, you know, going way to Cali, man, that's, that's hard. You know, that's a heavy tax bracket, man. It's also far from Florida, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, as players, we got to, you know, somewhat put ourselves first, but, you know, just really understanding, man, and just really understanding what we want to do and what we want to get done and just, you know, how we want our league to be structured because we are the players, you know. We, we are the NFL. Granted, you know, we don't own the teams or anything, but we're the guys, you know, they pay the money to go out there and be the Warriors to represent their organization at the highest level. So, I mean, we should be the guys getting taken care of, and I feel like that, that's not happening. And the guys that they do give the money to, you know, the high-paid guys, I think those guys live in a realm of it's all about me. You know, that's why sometimes, you know, I might, I might not get along with the highest-paid players because it's the egos, man. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, you're great, but, you know, what makes you greater is helping, you know, guys around you become that much better and not always it's about me, me, me. And I think we live in that mantra, you know, you see that, you know, when guys want to get paid. Oh, I need to get paid this, that. Because, you know, and it's like, yeah, I get that. But at the same time, man, like, you, you're not winning ball games by yourself, man. You, you, you're just not doing it, man. You're not making every tackle. You're not making every catch. You're not making every touchdown, every block. So I think that's a, you know what I'm saying, that's an ego ego that we got we to gotta get away from as men and just, you know, just period and get back to being a blessing so that, Guys can get their blessings. Just to be clear, though, if a team called you, say, in two weeks, would you go and play? Or are you basically say, because I know you know you're about, I don't think it's a secret that you're about to have a kid. Like, or would you, are you just saying, I'm not playing this year? Or are you basically taking the opt out even though you're not on a team? Yeah, I, I think this year I'm just sitting out because, you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't work hard, man. Just bust my tail, you know, been that guy, hey, I'll go out, I'll take 50, 50 60 snaps and, and won't, you know what I'm saying, won't complain, you know, give it all I got. But, you know, it's it's to like for me to go out and do that this year and just not knowing every concern and every precaution, it kind of, it kind of makes it really hard to want to leave home. And then I will feel like a the biggest hypocrite in the world, you know, while I'm speaking on reform and then, oh, here, okay, here's the opportunity. Then I'm running out there like, Sky's a dick, bro. Like, come on. Like, you know, and I can't live like that. I, I, 
I would not be able to look myself in the mirror and look my friends in the eye and uh, fellow teammates and former friends and be like, yeah, so uh, what happened? <laughs> what the conversation, like you said, you had conversations with your family. Uh, what were those conversations like with your fiance about whether you would consider playing this year or not? Because clearly, like you said, you had a couple of opportunities. And and she asked me, like, just why? And I was just like, I was like, well, babe, just because it's, you know, one, it's Buffalo. It's super cold. They don't have no indoor. And it's still early. And, you know, Buffalo, I, I think they signed, signed a few guys. So they kind of have their pieces in place. And, then, you know, and you just don't want to be like a, like I, like I always say, like a pawn in their, you know, in their checkers or chess game. And it's like, I mean, if anything, I would wait till the season. And then, you know, if there is a season, because I've seen UConn cancel their, you know, uh, whole season already. So it's like, I just got to watch everything play out. And I feel like just sitting this year out, being an advocate, and that's, that's like the best thing I can do. Just fight it from the sidelines, be a voice for the, the, uh, the minority, which is the majority of the league, of the hard work and, you know, your, like Gates like to call them, your C average guys, you know what I'm saying, just bust and tail and making sure guys like that get their due, man, because they don't, you know, and, you know, guys, you know, like, got, like you know, uh, guys get thrown away in this league, man, and it, it really messes with their mental, and not a lot, a lot of guys are mentally strong enough to bounce back, and, you know, and that's, and that's another issue, like, I feel like we don't talk about as players and as, you know, organizations because, you know, you see players go off on the deep end, but then it's like, where's the support system that's supposed to, you know, bring them back, you know? And it's like, we just let guys fall by the wayside. And, you know, those are brothers and friends and people that we, we care about. And it's like, why aren't we helping one another instead of, you know, always in competition with one another? Have, have you all talked about that as players? Well, you know, it's hard, it's, hard to be, it's hard to speak as players because there are so many egos in the, in the locker room and there's so many alpha males. So, it, you know, guys are only going to wake up when, it, you know, when, when the time is right, you know, or maybe when it's too late to, you know, because I know, I know for me, it's like last year in Miami, you know, it's kind of the same mantra. Gates, you know, Gates goes to New York, Flores come in. And I think in Miami, we had a, a solid team, man. We had a pretty good defense my first year there. You know, we had the Robert Quinns, the Cam Wakes, you know, the Kiko Alonzo, the TJ McDonald's. And it's like to, to sit back and just watch the demise of an organization just so they can get the structure that they want in place and to break up families and the homes of really good players. Like, I'm like, you let Cam Wake walk out the building. That's Mr. Miami himself. Like, he was supposed to retire a dolphin, you know, but nothing's forever in this league, as we know. And it's like you had Robert Quinn on the other side. He played one season. Then he runs down to Dallas. You trade him. And he had 10-plus sacks this year. Signed with Chicago, five years, 70. And it's like, like, are you guys so self-centered on your structure and what you want to implement with younger guys so you don't want those voices in the locker room of vets that actually been around the league had success in other places. That way they can nurture the young and be like, hey, man, like, that's not it. Because I know Flores, he came in, he, you know, he hard-ass, man, implementing the structure, cool, you know, all that. But at the same time, when you're preaching being the best, 
and you don't have the best on the field that you're you're kind of like a hypocrite bro in so many few words it's like well, it's interesting you say that because obviously Flores is another, going back to what you're talking about at the top, is another Patriots guy with, the, with that Patriots structure. Was that part of it too when you were, because you didn't really experience that during the Caldwell-Patricia transition, but you did for a few months, at least in Miami. Like, was that what told you, hey man, this isn't from, this structure might not work for me anyway? Oh, absolutely. Because I just, you know, found it strange, like, I'm never the one to say like, hey, I'm the best player, but I know I've, you know what I'm saying? I've had success in this league and I know what it looks like. So, you know, when I just seen what they were doing with guys like Quinn, you know, TJ, and I'm just like, how aren't the best players on the field? And, you know, I was still getting reps, so I was still kind of blinded, you know, by everything that was going on. And then, you know, once they started taking my reps away, you know, putting the young guys in, I said, okay, I see where we're going with this, you know, and it's just, being a vet, you know, obviously they paid me to be there. So, you know, as a man, I'm going to do my, you know, do my due diligence. But it's a just, it's just, it's like a kick, it's a kick in the face that you preach all these high values, which, you know, guys like us work up to and we hold ourselves to. But then at the same time, you guys have your, y'all structure and system that y'all want to implement. And it's just like, y'all are, y'all are lying to young, you know what I'm saying, young black professionals and, it's it's sad because it's a young it's a young black professional up there lying you know what I'm saying lying to young and that's that's really gut wrenching man and heartbreaking and I I I sat there and I just watched guys just like question themselves like am I still good enough to play this game like I, you know what I'm saying like I and I used to go to guys like teach I'm like bro you're a dog like you know what I'm saying like you're good it's just you know what I'm saying they got him. On the, end, on the end line trying to take on tight end as a safety. I'm like, man, come on, man. They got you out of place. You know, Kiko, he's a middle linebacker. They got him trying to edge rush. And it's just like they put guys out of place, to, you know, to watch their demise. And it was just so heartbreaking, so gut-wrenching. And, you know, even like when I got released, guys were texting me like, Spence, like, what? I'm like, man, look, hey, it's that, it's, that's what they wanted. You know what I'm saying? That's what they wanted. And – that's why, I, uh, like, even when Gates was there, I said, hey, man, this guy's a really good coach. You know what I'm saying? Because he kind of almost gave me the Codwell vibe. You know, no matter how, like, high, high of a player you were, you were going to get the same treatment. And some guys don't like that. So they, 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 they be worried. They complain. You know what I'm saying? They try to run out of there. And it's like, I told guys, like, Gates was a blessing. And then they seen that when Flores came in, they he had young guys like, oh man, I miss Gates. I, oh, we're working too hard now. Like, oh my God, this. And I said, yeah, you never, you know, some of the young guys they never been through a coaching change, you know. So when a new regime comes in, you know, they wiping everything out, clean, clean slate. So yeah, I mean, you but you, so that basically when Flo, when they made the transition from Gates to Flores, you figured that maybe your time in Miami might be short. Oh, because, absolutely. Especially because it was clear they were trying to. I mean, they were open about theoretically tanking for Tua. Oh yeah, and they're just trying to cover it up, and it's just like, man, if you're gonna tank, bro, just say, tell tell the world you're gonna tank. Don't try to, to fake like you you you're really out here trying. You know what I'm saying? It's like, don't give guys false hope, man, and and that's. That's that's like that's demise and that's just you know that's just just wrong and you know like guys don't really speak up on it because you know they're afraid you know they're afraid of what their coach is gonna say this and that but it's like at the end of the day you're a man you went to college most 
most of the guys in the NFL are very educated and just very fearful, you know, just because, you know, granted, teams cut your contracts, but hey, like I told guys, it's millions of ways to make money out in the real world. Like I said, football is one of the toughest things you have to do mentally, physically, emotionally, and that's what I told, I told guys. I said, life is easy. <laughs> life is really easy, you know what I'm saying? It's 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 not I find life fun, man. Getting up, working out every day, you know, god dang walking the dog, you know, and just talking with my buddies that I went to college with, you know, just formulating ideas and plans that you know we can implement to make money together and just be very successful businessmen. You know, like I told guys, football is just really a stepping stone and it gives you your voice, your platform, and it's just all how you use it and how you want to structure your life, you know. That's why life is easy, man. Life is fun. What made you decide that you wanted to kind of speak up and be more of an advocate? Was it simply that you weren't on a team so you felt maybe more freedom to? Or was there were, was there everything that's gone on in the country? Like, where where did that all of a sudden come from where you're like, I, I'm going to be way more vocal? Oh, man, just, just seeing it and just, you know, guys just always reaching out to me. Because, you know, I've always been kind of like somebody guys could talk to. And I'm going to be – very honest with you, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a straight shooter. Like that's how I had like vets like Clint McDonald, Michael Johnson, when I was in Tampa, just straight shooters. Like, this is what it is. This is what it's not. And pay attention, open your eyes and see what's going on around you, you know, and don't be blinded, you know, don't be blinded by the light or don't be blinded by the hype, you know, cause you could be here tomorrow and gone tomorrow. And it's just that simple. That's, that's the business that we're in. So that, so that, so that was basically what pushed you into saying, like, is that yeah, what? It's, what the, it's like the guys kept reaching out to me, like, "Hey, Spence, what's your, you know what I'm saying?" I'm like, "All right, man, don't worry, man. I'm a guy. I got you guys. I'm gonna speak. I'm gonna speak on y'all behalf. You know what I'm saying? I just need you. Obviously, not everybody's gonna post because you know everybody has that, you know, that fear of, you know, hey, I may, I might never play in the NFL again. You know, they, a team might never want to sign me because I spoke. But it's like you're speaking up for a better cause." And you're speaking up for guys who don't have a voice and that are scared. And I th- I feel like it's the perfect time. We're in an election year, you know, like that's even like how they moved up the opt-out date without even educating guys. I feel like that's 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 BS because guys are in their busiest time right now. And how can they how can they get educated on the process? Right. You know, and I, I just find that that's there's no clarity in that. Did you get, I guess you kind of hit on it a little bit by, by speaking out. I mean, are you comfortable at this point if you never play in the league again? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm comfortable, okay. man. I'm comfortable. And like I said, it's, it's opportunity everywhere in life, man. Right. And you know, I, I've been one of those guys that's been really blessed. I never been like a, a a-hole guy, you know what I'm saying? So there's position coaches out there that love me, that'll still give me opportunity. So it's it's all been positive feedback, man. All been real positive. It's just somebody has to speak on it. Somebody has to have a voice for it. And, you know, when Cap when Cap did it, you know, everybody just, you know, didn't didn't nobody stand stand beside him. And you know, and the sad thing, he was right the whole time. And it's like here we are, you know, years later. And it's it's kind of gut wrenching because even when the commissioner got on his video to you know give his formal, he wouldn't even apologize to the man and say the man was right. And that's like, how can you you know what I'm saying, be the commissioner of the NFL, 
you're, you're the commissioner of a, a lot of young black professionals and a lot of young, you know, just professionals, period. Not even putting color into it. You, going back to the opt-out thing that you, the opt-out kind of not having enough time. Have you had guys reach out to you since you've started speaking out to say, hey, walk me through this? Because it seems like you really spent a lot of time trying to study it and understand it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it was funny. Not, it wasn't even funny. I don't even like to use that word. Um, it was just kind of heartbreaking because one of my, one of my uh, boys was talking to me like the day before, and then he texted me the next day. I'm like, man, I got cut. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah, I'm just like, you, you didn't get the chance to secure the 150 for next year. You know, you know what I'm saying? Just so your family has something to look forward to. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or even if you get signed to a team, that way, you know, you can give it back or whatever, you know, and go make a few extra dollars. But it's just the process is I don't think the agents and the, uh, the advisors and even the PA, like, they're not even explaining it. And they're supposed to be for the players. And that, that's the worst part. It's interesting you say that because I think there's a lot of people that don't realize that it's essentially just a loan off of prior earnings. Yeah. Like the 150 or the 350. And you, you rarely see that talked about at all. I mean, was that, was that the one thing that struck you a little yeah, bit? Yeah, I was like, I mean, the crazy thing is like, you're going to have to pay this money back. And it's like, why is it that way? It's like, why, why, you know, it's like nobody's looking for a handout, but at the same time, it's like, this is the highest earning revenue business in the world. And you're still taking from your people you know, that, that, that grinded out every day for you. It's like, is, is, is greed that, that big of a factor? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how to, how to answer that one. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's, how, that's what I got to ask myself, man. It's like, is it, are, are owners that greedy to where they're willing to put everybody's life at risk to, get this game played without fans, season ticket holders, you know, we're going to go out there and have glorified scrimmages. Cause that, that's essentially what it's going to be. Yeah. And again, I mean, like for like what you said, you don't necessarily want to play in that regardless, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, I need some fans in the stands. You know what I'm saying? Just in case I get to the quarterback and I, I can actually celebrate. I'm not going <laughs> to celebrate if it's, it's just us and another team out here. That's, that's weak. <laughs> that's weak, bro. So what was, like, you? we were talking about a little bit about this off-air. Um, going back to pre-COVID, what were, like, walk me through that, what that was like. Because you were in, you were in England, right? When, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. when was COVID a- was kind of paring down. What was that experience like trying to get back? Like, at, and were you there, like, literally as everything was kind of falling apart here? Uh, no, it was still kind of in the, in the early stages or whatever, you know, just uh, traveling and just even just hearing about it and just hearing how they're closing borders and just, you know, um, U.S. citizens uh, like had to get out the country and everything like that, or you were going to be stuck in, in the U.K. And, you know, that's that's a lot of money to spend, you know, for a long time and everything. So it's just like when COVID struck, it's just like I had to get back home, hunker down and just, you know, figure out the, uh, the next thing, just continue to work out. and you know, see how football and everything was going to shape up or not. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> if you had known football would have sh- shaken out as it would have, would you have considered staying in, 
England? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would have stayed in Nottingham, man. Robin Hood City, man. Ate some of the good food, man. And just enjoyed the people, man. Because they have some really cool people over there. And just the culture and just learning about, you know, just a different world, man. A different world. And also, they, like, I, I love the UK's, like, food food uh, economy. Like, their, their food tastes 10 times better than the food over here, I would say. Even their McDonald's. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I might, I might fight with you there because I think it depends. I think it depends on the type of food, right? Because to me, like the the Mediterranean food in London, specifically in London, is amazing. That that I think trumps a lot of the the Mediterranean food here. But I mean, pizza, meat, like Italian food, that's all way better here. I, I I'll give you the Italian. I give you the Italian. I don't. I don't know, man. Oh, but they have very small portions, so they're more healthier than us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The portions are <laughs> way smaller. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's my first time. I've been over to England a few times, and like my first time over there, I remember ordering dinner, and I was it was yeah I forget what it was, it was like twenty eight pounds or whatever, and I look at it, I'm like, that's it. <laughs> Where, where's the Where's the rest of that? <laughs> but it was really good. Yeah, man, their food food is really delicious over there, man. So, what made you? Uh, what drew you to go to England, and how long were you there? And also, when you were trying to get back, like, did you have to get on the phone with the airlines? Like, did you have to pay a ton of money to get on a flight quicker, or were you able to just get? Oh back? no, I kind of had everything kind of already set up. So pretty much after we played our last game in Jacksonville. Um, me and my lady, we actually flew out the next day to uh, Paris. So we spent four days in Paris. Um, then we caught the coach over to London, spent like a week in London. And then we caught the coach up to Nottingham, spent like two weeks up there with my parents and sister and everybody just hanging out in the city. And then uh, like we started hearing about COVID and we, it was luckily we bought our flights how we did because we were able to uh, get a ride up the Heathrow and just, you know, just burn off back to uh, Florida and just get home safely. You know, so it was still in the early stages, so we weren't really affected too too badly. No, I, I asked because there was a couple athletes I talked to that were literally in Spain when, like, Trump announced, "Hey, we're closing the borders in 24 hours," and they were on the phone like, "Am I going to get on a flight?" And Carry On Johnson, I know you weren't with him with the Lions, but his brother was a is a pro basketball player and was in Romania. He got stuck in Romania for three months. Oh wow. Damn. Yeah, yeah. They he I yeah. I ended up writing about it, and he, they ended up getting home. And I know of a couple other player, like basketball players, who were like, "Oh, I'm gonna stick this out because maybe it'll only be a few weeks." And they got stranded in their countries and not able to get back to the U.S. for months. Yeah, bro. See, I, I wouldn't have been been able to handle that. I would have been. Well, but you would have had family there. Yeah, but I would have been deprived of the sunshine, bro. It's That's, it was a it was a cold time over there. <laughs> when did your pa- when did your mom and your parents move over there? Because you're oh, not from, man, obviously they're not from there originally. Yeah, no. Uh, after I left Jamaica, so my mom sent me to come up here with my father and live up in Pensacola. So I'd say when I was like four years old, and then she went over to England because her mother's over there as well. So yeah, we just both sides, just you know, all over the world, man. <laughs> Oh, so that oh, so the, going to England for you has been a thing for a while. Yeah, I've been over there for a few times, and so it, you know, it's 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 
it's frequent. I try to make it frequent. <laughs> Look at kind of transitioning because there's no other way to do it to football. I'm curious about like you were, we were talking about at the top about the 2017 season for you with the Lions. Like, what did you think that was going to be coming in when you signed? Oh man, honestly, I, I didn't know, but uh, the one thing I did know about Detroit. They had one of the best D-lines in the game at the time. So, you know, and just what they stood for, man, real blue-collar city. And then just the coach they had at the time. And just like the players, you know, you had the big-time corner. You had the big-time quarterback, you know, uh, a good defense. And he just wanted to be a part of something like that. And, you know, weren't far far off from the playoffs. So it's just like we had, we had the structure in place. It's just winning the game here here too and it's just like we came up short but like I, like I said earlier on the call that's that was one of my funnest seasons I ever had in the NFL just the guys in the locker room is how they easy they made it and just coach Caldwell like he never you know he really never showed no emotion even after a big win or after a big loss like it just we moved on to, we moved on to the next and we handle it how we handle it I mean, players, I remember that season, especially that second half of the year, I think every time we talked to any player, we would ask about Caldwell's job security and the playoffs. Because I think everyone understood what that was going to mean. How much did the players really talk about it that year, understanding that it was playoffs oh, or he was going to probably be out of a job? I mean, we talked about it. Uh, you know, we discussed it you know, here and there, but, you know, we were so confident as a team, like, you know, it's like every time we rolled it out there, like, you know, we felt like we were going to win. And it's just like, even Coach Caldwell as a, as a good dude and a good man, you was just, you would look at him and be like, why would you fire a guy like this after, you know, because he had a positive record the whole time he was in Detroit. So it's like, you know, why would you want somebody like that gone and what they stand for and just to uh, bring somebody else that's not even had close to the success. You know, it's it's kind of like it's baffling almost. <laughs> even even the, even though you know how the NFL works. Yeah, even though you know how the NFL works, but it's it's like, um, why does you know a GM get to make that decision when he, you know, he himself has not you know been a coach or had any type of success in 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 the coaching realm? So why does he get to make a decision of that magnitude to bring him some? I would say friends because they all grew up under the same tree, same coaching tree. And to just, you know, you, you move a man out of position that's been very good to the organization, been very good to the city. And just to bring a friend in just so you can say, Hey, Hey, you know, I got you this job. So, Hey, let's try to win together and not even having no success. And now you're pushing out all your best players out of the city that the city loves and uh, cares a lot about, and it's like, now you have a team like, you know, guys don't even, I felt like guys wanted to get out of Detroit so bad, you know, just even speaking on my, you know, brother's behalf, like Sean, like he, he, you know, he was, he, he just couldn't wait. He was counting down his days to get out of Detroit. And it's like, that's sad, man. You know, the guys that you drafted don't even want to be on the team. And that's like, that's no way to live. <laughs> when did Sean did Sean tell you that, while he was while you were still there, or is that um oh man we still after he's on the phone all the time, just his bros and just like, man, I can't wait to get out of here, man, you know, just count down my days, stuff just stuff like that, and that's how we talk as players because you know we're gonna be honest with one another, 
And it's like, we only can be so honest with the media and so honest with the coaches because, you know, at, at the end of the day, if we speak our, our true selves and our true, you know, the truth that, and, you know, we're the bad guys, you know, we're the, the ego-driven, you know, athletes that's, you know, all about self, you know, and the narrative gets changed, you know, from guys just wanting to be happy you know, and being on a good football team and being with a good organization that actually cares about them. It's interesting you say that because uh, Lomas Brown was on the show earlier this year. We were talking about, like, kind of how players talk. Like, are players pretty honest with one another if they ask about a situation, whether it's like, hey, should I cohere in free agency? What's this coach like? Is that a pretty open line of communication among different guys? Or is that even be end up being kind of stratified a little bit where, like, certain guys will say certain things and certain guys won't say certain things? And yeah, it's, I, I think I think you just hit it on the head, actually. It's just, you know, knowing who to talk to. Because, you, you know, some guys are, you know, they're, they're under the, the coach's umbrella. So they'll, they'll say or tell you anything just to get you in the door. And then some guys are just pure, genuine, honest guys. They'll tell you, hey, this is what it is. You know, this is how you can be a part if you want to or not. Or, hey, this is really a great situation that you're walking into. Uh, and just being honest, man. And so I would say for the, for the majority of the part, guys are super honest with one another. But you have your one and two that just, you know, say and do whatever for the organization. What, what was your favorite part, like favorite moment in Detroit in that year? Oh, man. I had a lot of favorite moments, man. We had, we had a lot of, like, even like the Thanksgiving game we had against Minnesota, man. That, that was one of my favorite games because I never actually got to play in a game like that before, you know. That was probably one of my, you know, favorite games because we kicked their tail that day. We wore them out after they <laughs> kicked our tail in Minnesota. So it's just, you know, it's back and forth. Was which actually while while we're talking about that season, are you still snowboarding? Oh yeah, man. I just didn't get to go this past season, man. But definitely got the board down here, man. Got the gear. I'm just waiting for the snow to get it back out west, man, and go go shred it up with Big Haloti and, uh, and the guys, man. He out there in Utah, so I got to go check him out, man. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering, yeah, I was wondering whether that happened or not. Like, yeah, man, we had a good time, actually, after the, uh, the season, man. We all went out there and hung out with Big Lodi, me, uh, Cornelius, uh, uh, Zettel, and uh, a few of the uh, young guys. And, man, we actually had a great, awesome experience, man, and just teaching guys how to snowboard and, and just hanging out as bros, man, you know, just – it being more than football, you know, just it being about life and just caring about one another. You talk about after the 17 season? Yes, sir. Yep, okay. Yep, yep. Mm -hmm. So what, what was your favorite moment so far in the NFL, you think? Like, what's that uh, moment that stands out to you that you're like, that's the, yeah, that's the moment for me? Man, favorite moment? Uh, just, uh, just still probably just draft day, man. Just getting that phone call from Greg Schiano, even though, when I got to Tampa, I didn't like what Greg Shiano stood for, but just getting the call on draft day on the third day, you know, after just being heartbroken on uh, night two, and then just, you know, getting that call early, you know, that, that was a blessing. And that's still still my favorite moment, man. I, I, can't, I can't shy away from that. Is that weird that that would be, like, the moment you get in the league would be the, your favorite one after playing, you know, what, a half dozen years? <laughs> Yeah, man, it's still, it's still just that moment that sticks out to you, man. You know, it's like when all when you thought all hope was lost, then it's just like, you know, God gave you a major blessing. So, what go? What was it like inside the locker room in seventeen? 
Oh man, I say we I say we have one of the best locker rooms, man, because guys talk talk the months as as players and you know like if we have problems which we didn't have a lot of because everybody really got along and like we didn't have like no ego driven guys really you know slay talked his crap but you know he was a really super honest and and pure guy you know he's he was for the team and for the guys so you know like it were it wasn't really no big egos on that team so that's why it was so fun and easy like you know everybody was so welcoming even even Prater, you know what I'm saying? Prater was one of my favorite guys in Detroit, man. Like, that's probably one of the coolest kickers, him and Sam Martin, just that. And even uh, Mule, man, like, just having guys like that, you know, it's, it's, it's just, like, it's the reason I love being in Detroit, because they made it easy, man. What was the toughest part? What was the toughest moment, the toughest part, maybe the worst situation you think you've been in in your career? Oh, man, just, you know, just dealing with injuries. I know when I had my back surgery and stuff when I was in Tampa, just, you know, being at a really low, 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 and just, you know, just the uh, the pills and stuff they, they wanted uh, me to take, and, I, you know, I really wasn't a fan of it. And just, you know, just being hurt slowed down for the first time, and, you know, that, that probably was, like, my, my worst moment. And But, you know, you found, you found meaning in it, you know, as well. So What yeah. meaning did you find in that? The man, um, shit, don't get hurt again. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good meaning. To, I mean, that's a good strategy in a sport that that's probably unlikely. But no, nah, man, but it's just you know, it gave me a, a chance to just heal, heal my soul, and just you know, work on my spirit, and just you know, relationships with people. I just wanted to reach out to friends, and just you know, just build a bond, man. That's it. You you mentioned a about a half hour ago, I guess, about mental health and that that's the other part of this that a lot of players don't talk about. Was that a tough mental health period for you as well when you were hurt? Because I know a lot of guys will be open about that and say, yeah, like that's, that's when all of a sudden stuff really hits me. Oh, yeah, man. I was, I was definitely, you know, mental was all over the place. But, you know, I'm one of those super positive guys that, that I knew I would bounce back because, I mean, I came back from a back surgery in less than 12 months. I mean, like that – that's really ironic and just, you know, especially with a disc. So it's just like having that, but just like the support that I had just from friends and everybody and just even like my trainers, you know, they were really good. They came to the house, they checked on me, you know, they were super proactive with my rehab. And I'm saying if it was days I wasn't feeling too good, you know, they, they eased back a bit, but they, they made it really easy, man. And I had some good trainers in my corner. I didn't have no, you know, guy that was trying to push me before I was ready to come back and so you know that that was a blessing as well so and just like my mental I was in a good space I was still young so you know when you're young you heal quicker you know you bounce back faster and everything so it that, that was just like one of like the biggest learning moments and you know it gave me understanding so when guys did get hurt I can just you know I can give them some knowledge on what to do and what not to do you know the, the question I always like to end these episodes on is, is this, or at least the topic is, who's the best trash talker you've ever faced? And like, what's the best trash talk you've ever heard? I don't know, man. Um, let's see, trash talk. Ah, oh, trash talker. Because we know it happens. Like, oh, I, yeah. <laughs> it happens, man. It happens. I mean, I know Ashawn was a pretty good shit talker because he, he, He'll talk shit the whole game. I mean, 
and I'll back him up for it every time. Uh, who else? Who else? Who else? What's uh, the best? What's the best thing you heard? While you're thinking, what's the best thing you heard Ashawn say? Well, man, Ashawn just told everybody he'll whip their ass, and he actually will go out and do it. Because I mean, it's only so much you can do with that that young big fella, man. And it's <laughs> and and he'll mean it, you know. That's like even like um, I don't remember uh, when we played the Steelers, and they're you know just on the kneel down, how we just you know. Hey, he said it was a goal time, so we just went at them boys, man. It was it was just that type of feeling that we had, and it's like, that's my brother. I'm going to back him up regardless, you know. It's just, hey, he felt the way. He got cheap-shotted in the game, and, you know, I got cheap-shotted. So, hey, man, let's just brawl it out, and then all right, we'll go home. We'll be fine after So, Ashawn was the ringleader in that in 17? We, we kind of both were. <laughs> I'll take some blame too, cause I'm. I'm Cause I remember that. That was that ended up being a thing. Yeah, we was ready to have a melee out there, man. We was we was ready to have it out there with them boys, man. We was ready. Did someone ready. say something? I mean, obviously it's years later now. Did, like, or was it? No, uh, was it did, I or? think uh, he had got like cut block, and I, they were high lowing in that game, but the refs weren't calling it, and it was you know super, you know like high lows. You know, saying they were supposed to be taken out, but you know, obviously. The refs aren't going to catch everything. And it's just like, we were at home and we weren't getting any calls. And it's just like, man, all right, man, we got to hash this out as men, like right here in the middle of the field. Like, God dang it, I know Coach Caldwell going to be pissed, but I mean, he'll forgive us in the end. So, you know. Did he or was he pissed at y'all? Uh, you know, he didn't really give us any backlash. So we kind of just, we just avoided him, you know what I'm saying, until we could make it to the following week. And all right, man, we good, we good, we good. Let's just, <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, play a clean game this one, you know, make it, make some plays, and then, you know, we'll be fine. Let's win this one, and then we'll be fine. Do do you talk trash, or is that not your deal? I, I talk trash when it, when it's time, but, you know, sometimes I'll be so focused on con- conserving my air that, like, I just let the young guys talk the trash, man. Is there – what's the worst piece of trash talk you've heard? And I'm not even talking just in, like, the NFL. I'm talking about college, high school, like, where you were just like – what the hell are you saying to me? You know who talks awful trash? It's 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 my it's my boy Christian Wilkins. I I watched a video on uh, Instagram and it was just like the worst. It was so childish. I was like, bro, like you gotta talk better trash than that. Like you're a D lineman. Like you gotta have, you gotta have some swearing words. You gotta be real disrespectful. <laughs> you know, but you know, you know, Christian's a, he's a super good kid, man, young, and he's just you know, hey. He talk. Everybody talks trash. How they talk trash? Yeah. So he. So he's. It was he just like too polite about it, or yeah, really too polite, man. Like, uh, guys gonna look at me like, man, get this guy out of here, man. So that, is there one piece that you remember, like that, that was like that good, where it cracked you up, or something like that? Because I mean, I've had guys on the show who were telling me that, like, like Ray Roberts told me, I think it was John Randall, that like just was going off on him and like his wife and his mom, and he was just like. How do you know that? I, I haven't ran into that. No, uh-uh, uh-uh. I ain't ran into that yet. No, 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 uh-uh. Is there anything you have run into? Like, is there an offensive lineman that's any good at it? or? No, offensive lineman, but for the most time, they, they don't really talk trash. I mean, Taylor Lewan, he did, but, I mean, I, I seen what uh, Yannick did to him when he was in Jacksonville, so we, we kind of shut that up. And then even when he came down to Miami, like, he was talking – big, just hot trash, and I, I seen what William Hayes did to him and Andre Brandt, so, like, Taylor Lewan, he's one of those linemen 
that'll talk it. But then, you know, when, when guys start picking at them, because, you know, when interception happens, what time it is, you know, you better get your head on the swivel or else, you know. So, and I think we, we got them pretty good in Miami. And we waved bye-bye to them, man. So, I think that was, like, one of my funnest moments of just that a trash-talking old lineman getting what they deserve. Really? So you did you actually wave to him at the end of the game? Oh, we were on the side. We, no, we were on the sideline, and he checked out early. But Coach Chris got kind of pissed at us because, you know, he's all about sportsmanship and all that. But at the same time, we're like, Coach, hey, we got to hash it out as man. You, you know, you're just going to have to respect this one. Is there, are there any quarterbacks you face that actually will talk? Because, I mean, I mean like, Phillip Rivers is obviously known for it, but. Phillip, yeah, Phillip, he, he'll, he'll give it to you, but, you know, it's, it's only when he's having a good day. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's the only time you hear Phillip. Uh, Cam, when he was younger, but not, not as much, you know, he's been kind of banged up. But, no, quarterbacks don't really, they got too much on their mind, man. They got to check, check. I was going to say, that would be super fun for, if they did, though, right? Super fun, but so much like now Aaron Rodgers, he's he's pretty good at because he's so savvy and he yeah. can read defenses and he can you know what I'm saying so he can know when guys are about to do certain things and he can just you know like he has a way you know of 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 talking crap without talking crap. He'll give the nudges, you know, like the little you know like the little pushes, and then like he he's he's really good with that. He's really savvy. How does he do that? Like, is it just like, do you, and you know it's coming? Like, can you sense? Like, will he just maybe like point, not chalk, but like maybe point to you, and like you're like, oh, I'm screwed. Yeah, because I mean, he, I mean, he's a he's a student of the game, so I mean, he stu- he studies defenses, and he 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 knows, so he can call he can call guys bluffs out super easy. Did you he realize? Can, yeah, he can tell just by looking at where your toes are pointing. Really? Did Did you notice that when you were playing him when you were in the one year you were in Detroit? Oh, no, I noticed it when we played him in Tampa. Uh, just like, even like when we were doing a stunt, he was like, okay, this whole right side is about to stunt. So, hey, let's check here and run, run the play here. I said, this guy's, no, I said, this guy knows I'm about to go inside. I said, oh, God, no. And, ah, hey, I'm in my head, I'm like, how does he know that? Why do you know that? And I'm sitting right there in front of Josh sitting like, you know what I'm saying? I got to get across Big Sitting's face at the time. You know, this one, him and TJ were still in Green Bay. Or whatever. I'm just like, oh God, like, I just, I just hope I make it. What did you do? Did you kind of? So did you alter what you were gonna do, or did you just kind of no, go in and you're no, like, well, this is gonna suck? No, nah, it's just gonna suck, and I had to run the stunt because I can't abort the stunt, you know, because my guys are counting on me to be in a certain place. So it's like, I gotta do it. <laughs> I gotta that, do it. So what happened to you on that? Did you just get mauled or like? Oh uh, no, nah, he. They just ran out like an outside zone and they hit it for like. About 30, 40 yards, I'm like, well, he did call out our pirate stunt. He did say we were going, coming inside, so he did check, check it. <laughs> hey, Akeem, thanks for coming on the show and, and taking some time. I appreciate it, and uh, it was a blast having you on, and hopefully we'll have you on again. Oh, man, thanks for having me, Mike, man. I had a great time, man, and, and obviously, you know, I love the city. You know, love your personality, love you as a person, man, and just the time we had in Detroit, man. So thanks for having me, man. It was a blessing. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed the conversation that we had with Akeem Spence. I thought he was pretty open about a lot of stuff, explained kind of his position on where the NFL is right now, what they're doing, what bothers him about it. And obviously we had a good talk about his career as well, both with the Lions and in some other places. I really enjoyed the trash talk part. 
at the end, specifically uh, the little nugget about him and Ashawn Robinson against the Steelers brought back a lot of memories really quick. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. You can follow Akeem. He's on Twitter as well. If you don't follow him already, he's at Akeem Spence. And he's worthwhile as a follow. And like I said, he's been very, very vocal. I want to thank our sponsors as always. Bet Online, Deal Dash, Regents Field, which is now open again in Ann Arbor. And... Blue Wire for hosting this podcast. Thanks to my producer, David Woodley, for another week of quality work. And we will talk with you, barring some major news, next week.